Most of you know that the gathering is, is not very liturgical. You might know what that means. Yeah, see, no. Yeah. All right, liturgy is sort of the organization and design of what the church practices, you know, the, the different things that, that the body of Christ does uh, in, in, sort of in, 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 by calendar in conjunction with the rest of the body of Christ. Today is, is called World Communion Sunday. So friends of mine and others are, are uh, you know, they've been, been talking about it all week, getting ready for communion, getting ready for communion. Now, y'all know me well enough to know that I'm going, I think small C communion is what we're supposed to do every day, <laughs> Sundays as well, right? Now, I'm not belittling the, the, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper and communion. Matter of fact, Wednesday night, November 2nd, we're going to do a special communion worship time together. We're going to come together on a Wednesday night. We're going to do it differently than we've ever done it here since I've been here. So if you're curious about that, show up on Wednesday night, November 2nd at 630. But here you go. Um, Wednesday nights, we are, we are, uh, uh, I am actually, um, we're, we're doing a, a new series on spiritual maturity and, and I started it last Wednesday, Wednesday a week ago. And so, uh, Wednesday nights are going to be worship, worship and prayer. And, and I'll be teaching on Wednesday nights, um, in and out with, with others. And so I want you to make midweek worship a priority. Okay. Cause we're going to be worshiping on Wednesday nights. Um, but communion. We're going to celebrate communion together. What does communion mean? Anybody want to throw out a definition? Common union? Okay, let's let's break it down there, Scott. All right. Anybody else want to throw out one? Being faithful? Okay. If we commune together, all right? So I grew up, I was born in the 60s, and I came through the 70s, and the word commune meant something totally different back then, right? It was a group of people who got together to do life, right? That was a commune. So if we're going to commune with God, that's about us getting together with God. That's about us contacting and be connected to and, and living out this identity and who we are in Christ. So we do that on Sundays, yes, as the body of Christ. We come together to commune with God and with each other. That's what it means to, to communion together. The ordinance of the Lord's Supper and communion and different traditions call it different things is about remembering that Christ gave himself to allow us to commune with God. See, that's our avenue. That's, that, that's how God has provided for us to have a relationship with our creator. So yes, we're going to celebrate communion first the next month. I want you to be a part of it. Um, that wedding I did last week, I got in trouble, y'all. Because I wasn't about to let the bride and groom commune. I got to the end of the wedding. I said, all right. And I started to announce the closing. And, and uh, Kimberly looked at me and says, I don't get to kiss her? And I went, oh yeah, I forgot. Right? So I almost blew that one, right? I mean, the kiss is more important than the rings, right? I mean, I, anyway. So anyway, so that, it was all fun and, and well and all that sort of thing. So I've got a question for y'all. I'm stepping out of frame a minute, camera, but I'll be back. Somewhere around you, I don't know if y'all have seen this yet. This is the what we refer to as the ministry opportunities. 
We're getting ready for 2023. Y'all ready? You're going, it's October. We can't be ready yet. Well, guess what? Um, I was always told to, to fail to plan is to plan to fail. So I'm looking at 2023 and really looking at, at some of the promise and some of the opportunities that God's giving this gathering, this body of Christ for us in this community and within the kingdom of God. And we've got cool things that are on the horizon. And so one of the things we want you to be aware of is, is that you have an opportunity to serve the kingdom of God in this place. Now, you can be serving any but if you want to serve in this place please take one of these things if you don't have one david stand up raise your hand if you don't have one david and dennis have them and harold raise your hand if you i want everybody in the room to have one so if you ain't got one get one raise your hand if you don't have one be honest now because this message is on lying this morning I'm just kidding. It's not really. If you hadn't gotten one of these already raise your hand and let these guys get you one now i'm not asking for it back this morning I don't want it back this morning. I just want you praying because the message is about Jesus calling disciples. So I want you to have one of these in your hand this morning because there are opportunities here. The, the, the hello team is, has just been reshaped. We've changed up the welcome center. How many of y'all noticed? See, the snacks aren't where they used to be. The coffee slid down the, down the table a little bit, right? Some of you are looking for your Rice Krispies treats. Well, I didn't put those out this morning, so there you go. <laughs> See, one of the cool things about the body of Christ is, is that God called us. Jesus said that we're to be servants. We're to serve one another in the body of Christ. That means we look for opportunities to serve. Um, I'm reminded by our children and hatchlings, our 3G and hatchlings folks, that every group in the body of Christ, in any church setting, has the opportunity to serve themselves, like adults can serve one another. Senior adults can serve one another. Young adults can serve one another. Youth can serve one another. But you don't turn a class of children over to children. You got to have adults in there, right? I don't know. I sometimes just to close the door and lock it's a good thing. I don't. I would not be a good children's ministry director, just so you know. But see, you have the opportunity to serve, and I'm just asking you to take that form and just go home and pray. Pray where God would have you serve. If it's not in one of these areas of ministry at the gathering, that's fine. We tell folks this is this is the one 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 card. One gathering. One Sunday, once a month. You know, just one service time a month. If enough people volunteer and say, yes, I want to serve, you fill out one of those forms and we'll, one, one, one gathering, one Sunday, once a month. That's what that card's all about right there. But it doesn't have to be with children. It can be throughout the gathering. And so I just encourage you to fill those out. Those are going to, you can fill it out, put it in the white box. You can drop it off at the connect booth. Either way, there's also still the wooden box out there with a the big cross on the top of it. You can put it in there too. Just pray about it and, and let God lead you, all righty? How many of you fish? I have to put my hand down because I don't. I, my dad took me fishing when I was a kid. We sat on the edge of the spillway with a cork and a worm. And I remember sitting there with that cork and that worm. And I looked at my dad and I went, 
Is this it? I mean, I'm just, what? I, I came out here to wait on fish? I mean, I'm going to wait for the fish to find my worm appetizing and, and more appetizing than yours. Man. Guess what? Even as a seven-year-old, I got better things to do in my time. Okay? Now, if you love to fish, yay! Go do it, because you probably don't love doing what I like to do. It's okay. But there's four guys that we're going to talk about today in Matthew chapter 4. Now that we've made it to the Gospels and to the New Testament, I'm excited that we get to walk with Jesus over the next several weeks through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we get to walk with the New Testament body of Christ through the rest of the New Testament and and discern this shape. Because remember, we are in the God said it messages. God has spoken. God who is outside of time has spoken into time. Everything that we see around us in creation, God spoke it into existence. Let there be light, there's light. Let there be trees, there's trees. Let there be grass, there's grass. Yes, and let there be hurricanes, there's hurricanes. Okay? I mean, guess what? I this, I said this. Remember, how many of y'all remember uh, Hurricane, was it Andrew or Hurricane something way back yonder in the 80s? And everybody talked about how it destroyed all that, all them mobile homes. My question at the time was, who thought it was a good idea to put mobile homes there? Right? I had this conversation with, some of you know Xander, the mayor. I called him yesterday and we were laughing and talking. I was like, you know, living on this island, Jesus warned us. He said, uh, you know, the foolish man built his house on the sand. (laughs) And Xander just laughed. I just laughed with him. I like listening to what Jesus says. I like paying attention to what Jesus says. Because we've got the spoken word of God in creation. We've got the written word of God in the Bible, all of it. Not just the parts we like, but all of it. We've got the the living word of God in Jesus himself. Scott mentioned it a minute ago. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God has spoken. Now, when Jesus says, come on, what do you do? When Jesus catches you with your cork and worm in the water, it's not the way the disciples fish, but I'm going to use it. Jesus catches you with your cork and worm in the water and says, hey, come with me. What do you do? How do you respond? What's your answer? Now, obviously, the cork and the worm and the fishing are just an example of what we're going to talk about today. Here's the passage, Matthew 4, verses 18 to 25 says, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, He saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread through Syria. 
So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Pray with me. Let's hear Jesus this morning. God, thank you that you have indeed spoken. You have given us your word. You, you have given us, Jesus, your living word. And God, I, I pray that we would hear from you, not, not just in these few minutes, but God, that every day our communion with you would be real and alive. And that, God, we would be able to hear by your spirit those things and, 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 and the, the opportunities. But God, yes, the, 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 the imperatives to follow the imperatives to come alongside, the imperatives to work and serve and to do, not for us, not for our sake, not for our little castle here on this earth, but for your kingdom's sake. God, help us to serve you. Help us to serve each other. Let the world see us serve each other so much, God, that they will call us your disciples because we have love for one, one another. Thank you, God, for your words. God help us to hear him in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first question is, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? I mean, James and John, Simon and his brother Andrew, what are they doing? They're fishing. Here's the story of these young Jewish boys, right? They grow up and they're under their mother's tutelage and, and going to Jewish school, Jewish, the Hebrew um, practice, religion. They're learning how to be good Hebrew boys. And they do this for a certain number of years. And at some point they're turned over to their fathers for, for, for that training and to, to become men, young men. And, and the kids that did well in Torah school, memorizing the word of God or memorizing the law, memorizing those things, if they excelled in it, they might be invited to come and be a student of some great teacher, some great scribe, some great Pharisee or something. They might be invited to come be a disciple of one of the Jewish leadership. But there's a chance that they, they didn't memorize so well. There's a chance that they just couldn't quite, you know, keep their mind in the game or something. Uh, so they ended up, you know, in the carpentry shop. Or they ended up, you know, in the boat with a net. Or they ended up, I don't know, with a broom sweeping the street. I don't know. Some of them were good students and got invited on to further and deeper learning in their faith and in their nation and in their culture. But some of them just became merchants and, and, and workers and laborers. But, but it was kind of that thing to be acknowledged and recognized by some, some teacher or some scribe or someone that, that your kids would get picked out to be a disciple of some, some teacher or something. Well, Simon and Andrew, and, well, we know this because even over in Acts, they said, who are these men? They're uneducated. Remember that? I, I remember the, <laughs> I, I was in a, a teaching situation, in a class situation where uh, someone with lots more letters after his name than I got made the comment that, made the statement well educated people don't believe that well, y'all we were talking about creation 
And I just started laughing. I was like, well, thank you that I'm uneducated then. Right? I would rather not be if it requires that I, you see what I mean? So, so you've got these, these, these fishermen brothers, two sets of brothers, working with their fathers in the family business, so to speak. They're, they're, they're preparing and, and getting their nets ready and, and maybe they're cleaning the boat and, I don't know, scraping off barnacles or something. But they're working in the family business and, and they're familiar with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is not unknown to them. As a matter of fact, he's been, uh, you know, the, by the, by the Jordan River and the baptism and he's been preaching throughout the land and more than likely he's near Bethany, uh, where he had already kind of set up his home base kind of thing. And so, so these decided this was not a first time encounter with Jesus. And yet when he came along that day, uh, Jesus himself sort of positioned them to make a choice to make a decision you gonna follow me he invites them follow me I will make you fish for people because we all memorized it in King James I will make you fishers of men and then we sang it I will make you fishers of men how many of you sang that song see we're old fishers of men right so, so, so Jesus called them out. <clears throat> so here's the question. Has Jesus called you out? I mean, if you're a Christian, Jesus has called you out. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, by God's own spirit, he has pointed you out and drawn you and called you to him. He has gifted you a salvation that you can't earn that you probably wouldn't choose for yourself. As a matter of fact, in sin, we wouldn't choose it for ourselves. So we've been called out to be God's kids, to be the body of Christ. But have you been called out in an area that God has gifted you for service? That's the biggest challenge right there. People say to me all the time, say, well, I don't know what I can do. Good gracious. Try something. Anything. I mean, you know what? I'll tell you what I did one time. I came up early one morning because they said we might be a little short on the men's breakfast. We might need a few hands in the kitchen. Do you know I've never been invited back? <laughs> never. They said, Bobby, why don't you do the bacon? I'm like, okay. So put that big old skillet on the stove. It's got fire under it because we got gas stove in there. And we laid that bacon up in there. Man, I turned that stuff out. Boom! Man, that bacon was black. <laughs> Robert Hudson steps in. He says, typically good to follow the old adage, low and slow. <laughs> I'm like, I'll keep that in mind next time. Man, there ain't been a next time. <laughs> uh, you can put out the forks and spoons if you want to, Bobby. Right? Try something. Whatever. Find some joy. Find some of the, 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 the satisfaction in serving the kingdom of God, serving the body of Christ. What are you doing now? That's why I love to ask people. People say, well, Bobby, I'm just I'm struggling in my walk with Jesus. I say, what are you doing? A lot of times they're not even reading the Bible. 
See, we started this year off reading the Bible through Genesis to Revelation. Over a hundred people sort of logged in to the Bible project, Bible reading plan. I was told this week, a lot of them not there anymore. I don't know. I don't know who is and who isn't. I'm not paying attention. I, quite honestly, I just want folks in the Word of God, right? I want people involved in the body of Christ. I want people involved serving the Savior, being a part of the kingdom of God, having an impact on a world that is lost and dark. And God called us to be salt and light. So I ask you, what are you doing now? I love asking that question of people, when, especially when they say, oh, I'm struggling in my relationship with God. Well, what are you doing? Tell me what you're doing in your relationship with God. Because God has already accomplished the heavy lifting. God's already done the big work. See, we come to him. He reaches down and changes who we are. What are you doing? You know, um, since 1980, about 83, 84, somewhere in that time frame, I worked construction. And I admit, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know how to swing a hammer. That's before we had air guns. I remember when we got air guns, I thought they were like sliced bread. thought it was great, right? Um, but I remember swinging a hammer. They they put me on trim work one day in an apartment building. We were we had brand new apartments, and and we were we were putting up the doors and the window trim and everything. And man, I'm in there swinging on them little and and they make the finish nails the littlest ones. So so I'm swinging on these finish nails, and my hammer's a whole lot bigger than the nail. And and my hammer finds the wood quite frequently. So so so. My, you know, I thought I was creating the solar system. I got half moons everywhere I'm hammering. Now, if you don't know what that means, that means the hammerhead hit the soft wood and made a half moon in it, which has to be patched with caulk. Uh, we used to call the painters the finished carpenters. Uh, they're the ones make it look pretty after I mess it all up, right? I remember the guy, Boyce Goldman, walks into the room one day. He says, what are you doing? Because obviously I wasn't doing something right. So he's going to teach me how to do it right. He's going to show me my error. But in the moment, the question was, what are you doing? See, we have to be confronted by that. Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and, and, and you know, Simon and his brother Andrew are in the boat. This is kind of a default thing for Simon, right? I mean, he's already met Jesus. He's seen Jesus. He's heard Jesus preach. I almost hear Jesus stepping up to the edge of the water going, what are you doing? I mean, it's not textual. It's not a part of Scripture, but Jesus confronts him with the choice and says, follow me and you'll fish for people. Man, that's a challenge for a fisherman. He doesn't understand that. But he did in some way know that it was about following Jesus, which is the key. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Every Bible context picture of James and John I've heard says they were, they, they were more than likely rowdy guys. They, they, they were probably pretty boisterous. Is that a good word? 
Jesus steps up and goes, hey, come with me. See, all four of these left, left fishing, left the boat, left their family, went to follow Jesus. Followed him for the next three years. We're going to read our way through the Gospels and understand not just what Jesus was doing, but understand what Jesus was doing in the lives of these these disciples. And it's not just these four, it's not just the twelve, because we know Jesus had hundreds following after him. And on occasion, when it was time for dinner, he's got thousands following him. Jesus is making a difference in people's lives, and he's called us to be a part of that mission. What are you doing now? Here's the other question, what are you doing tomorrow? I love it that you're here. Yay, welcome to church, as Steve said back there. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. What are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to be about kingdom business tomorrow? You know? Are you going to be in a place where God can use you for his kingdom's sake? Are you going to be willing? Are you going to be bold enough to say to somebody in a corrupt culture, well, I'm sorry, I can't be a part of that because I follow Jesus. I can't talk like that because I follow Jesus. I can't listen to that because I follow Jesus. How about you come follow him with me? Can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you about God's love? Can I tell you how much he loved you to the point of dying for you? You see, what are you going to be doing tomorrow? See, I would love to say, hey, Simon, you're working in the boat right now because it says they were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. So they're, they're close enough to where Jesus can call to them. Right? They're actually fishing. It says uh, James and John, they were in the, preparing their net. So maybe they were getting ready to cast a net into the sea. What if Jesus said, hey, fellas, what y'all doing in the morning? See, that's, that's the way a lot of people approach the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. Not now, Jesus. Not today, Jesus. I got things I want to do. I got some priorities. I, I, I've got some goals I want to accomplish. Jesus didn't say, what are you doing tomorrow? Jesus said, what are you doing now? But the challenge for us is, how will that change our tomorrow? What will you be about tomorrow? What will I be about tomorrow? Where will we be? You might know where you're going to be tomorrow. You, people will confidently raise their hands and say, yeah, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. No, you don't. I mean, we're warned more than once in the Bible. You don't even know tomorrow's going to be here. So the now is the important thing. Okay. What are you doing now? What are you doing tomorrow? Here's the the fun question is, what will God do with you? What will God do with you if you surrender to his will? If you get involved in what he's doing. It doesn't have to be here at the gathering. I just wanted those sheets out because we print a lot of them. I'm just kidding. No, we want you to fill them out. We want you to be involved in what God's doing. But if it's not here, be involved in what God's doing somewhere. Somewhere. Serving not not yourself. Not serving. You're not doing it because of me. Don't be serving Bobby. 
right? You serve Jesus. You serve the kingdom of God. I've told y'all before, I love it that Nathan Schwartz out there at Chapel Bay, one of his prayers is, is that God help us to build your kingdom, not our castle. See, I told Nick this morning, you know, everything that, that we've seen God do in this place has never been about the gathering. It has been about gathering, but not the gathering. It's been about worship. It's been about coming together to serve people. That's why loving God is our first priority. Living Jesus is the second priority. Walking it out together is the third priority. In just a few minutes, there's going to be a a, a connect group class taking place in the back back room on that other hallway over there. And and, and it's going to be a six-week class that really explains the identity of the gathering and the identity of the body of Christ, plus the priorities that Jesus has given us. Loving God first. Why? Because it's the first commandment. I sat down with a couple. They're getting married in two weeks. I asked them, I said, so what are your priorities? Right? They're getting married. Going to be a new home and family and all that kind of stuff. Man, it's easy to name your priorities when you get married, right? Then why do they all get it wrong? They don't really. Not all of them do. See, what is every believer's priority? To love God with all of their heart and soul and mind and strength. And this is a love relationship. What's the second highest priority of the believer? To love your neighbor as yourself. You see, that's what God's called us to. What are you doing? What are you going to be doing tomorrow? What will God do with you? See, that's that's not just a challenge or an obligation. That is an opportunity. An opportunity for the kingdom of God. Sometimes we get we lose our way in that. Yet God is always there to very gently, very directly call us back to Him. So, I guess the question, the point of all this is, who are you following? Who are you following? Following Jesus? Following the world? Following yourself? Always wondered what that looked like. Right? Who are you following today? Who will you be following tomorrow? Kingdom of God. Because we are the body of Christ. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want you to know Jesus. Maybe, maybe you know Jesus, but 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 you've got some uncertainty in your life. You're 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 questioning that walk and that relationship. See, a relationship with Jesus is just like any other relationship. You've got to grow it. He's ready to grow it. I met a lady that was 60 years old one time. She said, You know, I've never heard the phrase spiritual growth. I went, oh, we're supposed to grow up in Christ. One of my favorite phrases of Paul, Paul says, grow up in the faith. Right? Maybe you just need to re-anchor who you are in Christ. Maybe you need to be a part of this gathering. You come on down and say, I want to be a part of the gathering. If you know Jesus and, and, and know that he's the Lord and Savior of your life and you've been buried, you baptized where you go under the water, you can be a member 
of this gathering. You can be a part of this gathering just by showing up. You can serve this gathering just by showing up. Maybe you want to make coffee on Sunday mornings. We just realign the whole hello team out there. If you want to make coffee, there's a sign-up sheet at the welcome desk. Maybe you just have the greatest smile. Everybody try it. One, two, three. Okay. Maybe you've got the greatest smile, and you need to be the one standing at the door going, Good morning. Welcome to the gathering. We're glad you're here. That'd be one of those door greeter people. Right? Maybe you're just so knowledgeable about everything. I'm just joking about this, but you can work at the welcome desk because they got all the answers. People ask me, they say, uh, Pastor Bobby, where do we do such and such? I say, I don't know. Go to the welcome desk. They got all the information up there. And the welcome desk is going to change here in the next few weeks because uh, Mr. Hudson, Robert, he built us this big fancy one. So it's going to be changed out. It's going to be that. It's not going to be that plastic tiki booth anymore. It's going to be something a little more substantial. Okay? Who are you following? Don't follow me. Good grace alive. We might both end up in a ditch. Follow Jesus. Because Jesus will never fail in leading you for his kingdom's sake. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us. God, that you've called us. God, that you've made us yours. God, I just celebrate that and thank you, God, that as we gather in this place, God, we just want to we just want to enjoy being near you, that we want to enjoy the fellowship we have with each other. God, I don't want to be left out when you're on, on the move and, and, and you have shown up at my boat and said, follow me, and I had something else to do. God, I don't want to be left out. I want to be walking with you and seeing people's lives change for your kingdom's sake. I want to see people know a love from you. And maybe, God, that love comes through me with a smile or a handshake or a hug or a wave or a something. God, I just, I want to be where you are and I don't want to miss it. So God, help me to stay attentive. Help me to pay attention. Thank you, God, for for everything. God, help us to love you back in Jesus' name. Amen.